Hey friend, are you trying to plan a Disney World vacation, but you're not sure where to start? Do you wish you could head into your trip feeling prepared and confident with a plan that's right for your family and your budget? Hi, I'm Megan. At Dreamwish Plan, I help moms plan their dream Disney World vacation without the overwhelm. On this show, we'll walk through the Disney Park basics so you'll understand all the things that Disney World has to offer. We'll talk about vacation planning strategy, and I'll give you tips and hacks that will put you way ahead of the pack so you can maximize the fun and minimize the stress. So grab a cup of coffee and your favorite notebook and get ready to create a plan to make some magical Disney memories. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Dream Wish Plan podcast. In today's episode, we're rounding out our Beginner's Guide to the Parks series with Disney's Animal Kingdom. This is the newest of the four Disney World theme parks, and it opened on April 22, 1998. Similar to referring to Hollywood Studios as MGM, I feel really old when I realize that I used to go to Disney World before Animal Kingdom even existed. Animal Kingdom is really unique because it's part theme park and part zoo, and the details in this park are absolutely incredible. Let's start off with talking about how you get to Animal Kingdom. You pretty much have two options for transportation to Animal Kingdom. You can either take a Disney Resort bus if you're staying on Disney property, or you can drive or take a rideshare. Similar to Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom is laid out like a wheel. You come in through the main entrance and you're in an area known as the Oasis. Discovery Island is in the center and that's where you're going to see the incredible Tree of Life. And then starting at the bottom of the wheel at the Oasis and moving clockwise, the different lands are Pandora World of Avatar, Africa, Asia, and Dinoland USA. For me, Animal Kingdom was the hardest for me to learn to navigate. Fun fact about me, I'm terrible at navigation. I'm not good with maps, and I'm not the one that you want to ask for directions in general. So understanding the layout of the park is really helpful for me. It helps me navigate, and it helps me feel less stressed. So starting off with the first area you encounter once you enter the park, the Oasis. You could think of the Oasis sort of like the Main Street USA of Animal Kingdom. You'll walk through a lush jungle area that has viewing areas for animal exhibits, including wallabies, which I find adorable. When you pass through the oasis, you'll come to Discovery Island, which is the center hub of Animal Kingdom. This is where you're going to see the Tree of Life, which is the icon of Animal Kingdom. A few fun facts about the Tree of Life. It's 145 feet tall. It's a sculpture with 8,000 branches of different sizes and about 102,000 artificial leaves. There are over 300 animals carved into the base. Inside the base is It's Tough to Be a Bug, which is a 3D show, or I guess it's actually a 4D show. It's based on a bug's life, but a quick warning on this one, it can be surprisingly scary for little ones. It's in a dark theater, and without giving too much away, there are some creepy crawlies involved. Circling around the base of the tree, you'll find the Discovery Island trails. I highly recommend checking this trail out. There are some amazing views and great places to take photos. There are also animal exhibits to enjoy, including some of my favorites, the ring-tailed lemurs and the otters. Also on Discovery Island, you'll find several snack carts. This is where you're also going to find Creature Comforts, which is the Starbucks location at Animal Kingdom. Isle of Java is where you can get your Joffrey's coffee, if you're Team Joffrey's. 
I love both, but when I'm at Disney, I tend to get Joffrey's more often because to me it just feels like Disney, and I can't get it at home. There are also a quick, a couple of quick service locations on Discovery Island, Pizza Fari, and one of my favorites, Flame Tree Barbecue. Another great choice for dining that you'll find on Discovery Island is Tiffin's, which is a table service restaurant. It's connected to the Nomad Lounge, which is one of my top recommendations in all of Disney World. They have amazing food, amazing drinks, churros, and if you sit outside on the porch, you can watch the flotillas go by. Nomad Lounge doesn't take reservations. It's only walk-ups, and it can fill up quickly, but it's really so good. There are, of course, opportunities for shopping on Discovery Island, and at Adventures Outpost, you can meet Mickey and Minnie in their safari gear. Moving to the bottom left side of the wheel, this is where you'll find Pandora World of Avatar. Even if you're not a huge Avatar fan, this area is still one you're going to want to check out. The theming is really cool, and it's especially amazing at night. This is where you're going to find Flight of Passage, which is a 3D motion ride where you can ride on the back of a banshee. It's also one of the most popular rides in Disney World, and one with some of the longest wait times. It can be upwards of two hours if you don't have a plan, but we'll talk about touring strategy in another episode. Another popular ride that can get long waits in Pandora is Navi River Journey, which is a slow boat ride. Pandora also has some great snacks and quick service dining. Pangu Pangu Snack Stand is where you can get Pineapple Olympia, which is like a pineapple cream cheese egg roll. And one of my favorite quick service locations is Satuli Canteen. They have some really unique and delicious options here, including my absolute favorite, cheeseburger pods, which is kind of like a cheeseburger dumpling or a bao bun. Moving clockwise, next up is Africa. The Africa area of the park is set in the fictional village of Harambe, which is Swahili for come together. This is where you're going to find the amazing Kilimanjaro safaris, where you'll get to explore the Harambe Wildlife Reserve and see so many animals like giraffes, elephants, rhinos, zebras, crocodiles, and more. Also in Africa is Festival of the Lion King, which is a very popular show. You'll also find Gorilla Falls Exploration Trail, and you can take a train to Rafiki's Planet Watch. Rafiki's Planet Watch is where you can visit the Affection Section Petting Zoo, the Conservation Station, and there's also an animation experience where you can learn to draw Disney characters. Africa also has snack carts, quick service locations, and a table service restaurant with character dining, which is Tusker House. This is one of my favorite character meals for breakfast. Another place I like to visit in Africa is Zuri's Sweet Shop, where they have some delicious sweet treats. You can also get coffee and treats at the Kusafari Coffee Shop and Bakery. Moving clockwise, the next area you're going to hit is Asia. In terms of rides in Asia, this is where you're going to find Expedition Everest, which is a roller coaster, and Kali River Rapids, which is a water rapids ride. Asia is also home to the Maharaja Jungle Trek, which is where you're going to see tigers and other animals, but the tigers are my favorite. In terms of dining, I love Yak and Yeti. You can sit and do a table service meal, there's also a quick service spot, local food cafe, and another little quick service window, Yak and Yeti quality beverages, where you can get drinks like margaritas and sangria, and a few food items like fried rice and egg rolls. 
It's kind of off the beaten path and not everyone knows it's there, so it tends to not be so busy. Okay, moving on to the last section of the park is Dinoland USA. The future of Dinoland is a little uncertain. At the D23 Expo, there was talk about some of the things that could possibly be done with this area of the park, including a possible Zootopia area, which is what I'm hoping for. They also talked about a possible Moana area, which would be cool, but I think this might be a little bit less likely since they're building a Moana-themed area in Epcot. Dinoland isn't my favorite area of the park. I understand that it's themed and it's supposed to be like a traveling carnival, but it's just not my favorite. I do love Dinosaur, which is the major ride in this area, which is another one that can be particularly frightening for kids. There's also Triceratops Spin, which is basically Dumbo with dinosaurs. One of the cool parts of Dinoland is the Boneyard, which is like a giant interactive playground area. It's great for small kids, and you can grab a drink and a snack and sit and let the kids run around. There's also some carnival game areas in Dinoland USA, which cost a bit extra, but honestly, no worse than you would pay at an actual carnival. And they have some really cute Disney plushes that you can win. There's shopping and dining over here too. Restaurantosaurus has basic food, and you can also get an adult beverage. They have margaritas. In case you can't tell, I really do enjoy a margarita. So these are the areas of Animal Kingdom. I really only touched on the highlights of each area. There's so much more here that we'll cover in future episodes, but this gives you a general overview. I do want to just talk briefly about the nighttime entertainment here. Animal Kingdom is the park that opens and closes the earliest. The hours depend on the day, but if you were going today, which is in October of 2022, early theme park entry for resort guests starts at 7.30 a.m. and regular opening is at 8 a.m. The park closes at 8 p.m. There are no fireworks at this park, and that's because of the animals. But Animal Kingdom is still really cool at night. There's the bioluminescence that you can see in Pandora, and there's the Tree of Life Awakenings, which is the Tree of Life lighting up. There's fireflies, and it's just really beautiful. Overall, when I think of Animal Kingdom, I don't think of it as one of my favorite parks. But preparing for this show, it kind of made me realize that I think I might take Animal Kingdom for granted a little bit. I feel like there's a more laid-back vibe here, which I do enjoy. They have some really killer food, and there can be lower crowds, particularly in the late afternoon and early evening. So it's definitely a park I would recommend checking out if you can. That wraps up our Beginner's Guide to the Park series. We'll be doing more in-depth episodes on each park, where we'll talk about all the rides, all the food, the best things to do for toddlers, all those kinds of breakdowns. But first, because it's that time of year, starting next week, we're going to be talking about Disney World during the holiday season. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy planning. If you enjoyed this episode, it would help me so much if you would take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes. And if you still feel stuck and want my help designing your dream vacation, click the link in the show notes to book a one-on-one planning call with me. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy planning. Happy planning.